Hello, welcome to another episode of Dear Seekers. My name is Sasha. My guest today is Marlo Guerlandos. You probably have seen her debut novel, Happy Hour, because it's been everywhere, from the New York Times to the New Yorker to the Toronto Star. And if you are a Canadian listener, I will probably say you have seen the cover art of the novel. You know the two big bright color blocks, one pink, one yellow. Have you seen that? It's very eye catching. As soon as you see it, you won't forget about it. So that version was actually originally published by Flying Books in Toronto in 2020, and the American publishing right was sold to Versal Books、um, in 2021 last year. And the interesting story about this book is Marlo actually wrote it when she was 22, and now she's in her early 30s. For so many years, nobody wanted a book. And so, not till 2020, Flying Books eventually picked it up, and even that story was quite fascinating. So we will talk about that in the interview. And the protagonist in the book, Isa Epley, is so charming.、Um, it's almost like she's so charming that she has gone to live in this universe on her own. Yeah, she just feels really real. It's definitely very masterful for Marlowe to. Crafted this character so beautifully that you feel like she's so super super real, and you can connect it to her on so many different levels. Even though I'm not in my tw- early twenties anymore, I'm not going out party till four a.m. in the morning, but I still very very well connected to her, and I think that's not very easy to do for any writers. All right, and if you have listened to my previous conversation with Victoria Chan and Claire Foster, you definitely know that conversation didn't go as well as I wished because I wasn't really being present. My mind was so clouded. But today's conversation with Marlo is a completely different scenario. I was as present as I could ever be, and I had so 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 much fun chatting with Marlo. Before we get into the conversation, though, just a reminder: if you are a subscriber to Dear Seekers on Substack, you will receive this episode in your inbox just a few days early, and you will get to see the photos that Marla provided.、Um, I can assure you, it's really, really fun, just like her personality, and you will have access to my personal essays and some other good stuff. But if you don't feel like signing up, that's totally fine. You what you can do though is leave us a review or comment on Spotify, or Apple Podcast, or tell a friend or two or three or everyone, <laughs> everyone you can think of. <laughs> All right, buckle up. This conversation is so juicy and delicious. Ah,、uh, I would highly recommend a glass of wine to go with it if you could. All right, enjoy. I was gonna say, you know, as I DM you before, just kind of like witness from afar how busy you were. And to be honest, I'm that type of person or interviewer. I like to interview someone who has kind of come out of that kind of press marathon、right. because、yes. I feel like when you're so in the in the middle of it, sometimes it's kind of like the things you'd be talking about. It's not really something you have processed in a way because、mm-hmm. um, you're just so busy and occupied by. 
all the questions in that moment. Yeah. Um, so I wonder how are you doing now? Um, can I kind of slow down a bit in terms of press? Um, you know, I think that that whole situation was so insane for me that I actually really was having, um, you know, I think my own like weird struggle with it just because I felt like, you know, I live a really particular type of life. I like, I'm very out and about all the time. And I felt like the more public I was in a way, the, the more like that kind of my like normal lifestyle was kind of being taken away from me in a way. Like I couldn't like be as free as I wanted to be because sometimes, you know, like people were coming up to me or recognizing me and stuff. And, and that kind of like makes you more aware of being in a room, you know, and you're like, Oh, like I can't just be as normal or free as I want to be. Um, it was so surreal a lot of the time to be like, having all these things happen because I had written the book so long ago. So like all of a sudden I have like, you know, I'm, I'm like the, like New York magazine or New York times and like the big, the big publications. I was like, this is so bizarre to kind of happen because I feel like I didn't, I don't, I no longer have a part in it. I just feel like it's happening to me. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I have so many questions. Gonna touch upon so many things you have just shared. So I was wondering where should I go now? Because like you know, to touch upon so many points that I have listed in my questions. But I think I'm gonna go with the book first, and then we can mm-hmm. gradually unfold yeah, totally. from there. So to give you a little bit confession, go in. Um, I have to say I was kind of like wasn't sure if I wanted to read the book, mainly because I know the problem premise of the book and um it's quite different than who I am right now right and then so I was thinking if I read it I and then you know there's a two scenarios one is I hate it because <laughs> you know I can't find any you know relatability to me mm-hmm. um you know uh, or I love it and then I start kind of grieve my youth and then you know kind of <laughs> you know, resent my reality now. We mm-hmm. either scenario something that I don't want to get into. Right. And then it's funny because after I read it, I, I read it over the weekend. Uh, neither scenario happened. Um, I loved it. It made me laugh so much that I, I don't remember when was the last book that made me <laughs> literally laugh out loud. Because I was thinking, uh, you know, in a way that LOL almost lost its substance and meaning because people just type LOL, but not yeah. really literally laughing. I was literally laughing. My husband was playing video games beside me on the couch. And he was like, what, what's so funny? I was like, oh, you won't get it. So, <laughs> you know, because like you have to tell the whole story. Yeah, and then exactly. Sometimes the jokes, a humor wouldn't be translated so well by mm-hmm. me just telling a line. Um, so anyway, uh, neither scenario happened. I loved it, but it definitely didn't like make me resent my reality because I just know now as in my 30s, my pleasure wouldn't come from going out till 4 a.m. in the morning. Mm -hmm. Definitely that was part of my memory having evoked in a way that I remember those times. Um, But now my reality is, you know, I'd be enjoying so much just in the bath. I have a glass of wine. That's my party. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So you just talk about you wrote this book when you were 22 and I, I can definitely sense that sort of connection um, between you and in the characters. So now, you know, after all these years have passed, did you feel like, because earlier you also touched upon, you kind of had to visit them again. Um, mm-hmm. Did you feel like you kind of forget about them in a way that like they become so far, like, you know, those friends that you were hang out day to day when you were young, but then you kind of lost touch because 
just life happens or you still have this huge kind of deep connection with them and now you revisit them again you just kind of like you just met them yesterday i think that um you know that's that's so interesting that you had that kind of initial reaction i think that's really funny um and i want to talk about that i guess a little bit more later but i guess for me what was interesting was that like obviously people were conflating like me and the characters like so much um as like i'm this person and whatever and i, I always am like i i know what you mean i read so i wrote the book when i was i from it took about 3 years so i was like 22 to 25 and, you know, a lot of the experience that I was pulling was not only from when I was like in my early 20s, but like even before that from, you know, I was kind of like a wild child. I was like going around like at a really young age, like when I was like 15, 16, 70. So I was like kind of I wanted to encapsulate like a part of youth that was that I had experienced. I also think that not a lot of people had that kind of experience either. Um, I wanted to kind of keep it in this little container um, and, you know, honor it and honor like the types of girls that I grew up with, honor the type of like um, friends that I have. And, um, you know, I still have a real connection with the characters. And sometimes when I revisit passages, I'm like, oh, like this is so evocative. And like, so I, I truly still like feel like this in some ways. Um, but, you know, obviously now I'm, I'm 30 and, and, uh, you know, I also feel like it's very much like I wanted these girls to also kind of be a a blueprint for um, other young women who who, you know, at some point like were are, you know, like doubt themselves a lot or, you know, have trouble um, being bold in situations. And I think that that was kind of like the main thing. It was less about like partying and going out. And it was more or less being like being able to like um, pursue your idea of joy and pleasure and beauty in your own way and inspire people to do that in whatever way that works for them. Um, and I think, yeah, I guess it's funny because it's like I, I like even my friends, my really close friends, they're like, you know, like I, I have, a, I do have a real friend named Gala who's like still I'm very close with now, but you know, it's funny cause she's, she's so, uh, she's always like, oh, like that was like, I don't even recognize that part of myself or like that, how we were before, but I'm like, it's so funny. Cause I'll be like, no, but like, this is exactly how we kind of were like, and this is how we move through the world all the time. And it's so hard to, you know, hold that in your hands as you get older, because, you know, so many other memories kind of push it out, but cause it's also a really like fraught and precarious way of living. And, and I think that that kind of like being on that, that edge all the time is so exhausting that to like really try to like bring yourself back there as you like, after you've passed that phase is so, it's so bizarre. You're like, how did I even get through that kind of lifestyle? Like, I don't even know, you know, mm-hmm. that, and I'm so, it's so different now. Like, even now I'm like, I can't, I'm so like, um, like precious about things now. I'm like, ugh, I don't want to like stay at my friend's house when I'm visiting. T- I'm in town for some, I want like my own space. And like, <laughs> before I would like sleep on the ground, I didn't care. Yes. <laughs> like wake up to in my own bed. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> With my skincare accessible yeah. to me. <laughs> Yeah, like, uh, that's interesting, because uh, I'm sure you get asked this question a lot. And then I actually wanted to ask you, despite, I kind of resent this question for many reasons, one being, you know, this question, well, I'm going to throw the question first, is like, how much is that is in you and how or in you and how much your personal experience was kind of like manifested through Issa's life? Because I know, 
to be honest, this question is quite sexist. I'm gonna I'm gonna admit because many male authors or novelists they don't really get to ask this question because it's almost like we assume any female characters or writers wouldn't actually draw their personal like their imagination is so limited that you know mm-hmm. they have to draw some sort of a personal experience into their book. Um, I know that's not true, but. Just like looking at you from afar, like I know we connect on social <laughs> media, but that's all I know about you, and yeah. and I just feel like from the book I I, I read and then kind of getting to know the characters, I definitely can sense some sort of connection between you you guys. You know, I'm, I wrote here, I talk about you know she loves French cinema, and then she has lived in New York and London, which I know mm-hmm. you have as well, and she had this very witty and carefree hum- humor that almost makes others jealous and confused in a way, you know, because yeah. <laughs> um, you know, makes people feel like she's mer- very mysterious, but at the same time, kind of contradictory. Because is she smart or not? Like I can't right, tell. Exactly. You know, <laughs> is she joking or she's being serious? And and then she almost used this kind of charm to navigate through life, and it becomes all, her own like expertise in a way. How do you like how much Essa was in you, and how much you were in her in a way when you were writing it? Right. I mean, I think that obviously, I always say that like everything I do like there's a sense of like mischief about it so I think that when from the very um beginning I knew that that was always going to be the case that people would like confuse so Mm -hmm. that's why I was like okay like let's just let's just have like certain things that are very much like fact based facts about my life put on this character because I knew that it was going to happen anyways. So, so just like, let's lay on the table. Yeah, like, why not? <laughs> I, I also just like, the, you know, putting little Easter eggs in there that, like, maybe, like, my friends would know about or or, or recognize. Um, but, you know, I think that the – I took kind of like certain facts of my own life. And then what, what interested me and what got me so excited about writing it in the first place was the style and um, the kind of – the you know like I love um classic golden age of Hollywood films so I was really interested in like creating a framework that would would have these characters be like modern day flappers like these kinds of girls who would rise ranks and and go through like different societies and 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 be able to like seamlessly fit in and and also be like these observers um so I think that by using this framework and having like a kind of particular style to the voice it was it was very freeing for me to be able to take like real facts of my life and real experiences or like you know like little lines here and there that I had overheard like over the course of like you know whatever like seven years or something and um and kind of mix it into the book in a way that made it feel like a its own separate thing so you know, obviously there are similarities and I always knew, I always knew ahead of time that there would be like this kind of, um, this projecting of the character onto me. And like, I thought it was also really fun to play with that and also to be like a little bit mischievous about how that would work. Cause I'm also really interested, obviously the book is very much about performing a a sense of self, uh, performing a personality. And then there was like these like meta layers of like, then me as a writer and then me as Issa and then me having to like also perform this idea of like being an authoress or whatever and um (laughs) and having that kind of these multi-layers of like of play I think was really important to me I I also just 
think that like the the main um thing that both me and Issa share is that we both really like to get away with things I think that that was kind of the main the thread that connects us um as I get older even still and I think that that was something that um you know I have fun with and I I think it's like so it's so uh, interesting to also see like how people kind of play into it and and kind of um also you know it creates this like multi-dimensional like like world that stems from the book and i think that that's such a it's such a funny way to um obviously like you know i'm i i recognize myself as like a tool in this in this image and i think that like you know, from the very beginning, knowing that I could play with that and kind of manipulate it in a, in a way that I thought was like funny was, was always part of the plan. Um, so, you know, I think that everything that I was doing, I already kind of had a sense of that this was going to be the way people would, would, uh, kind of imagine me. And, um, so I think in that way, there was, there's definitely like a connection and, a, and, a, and, you know, again, like having borrowed some real facets of my life, it also felt very like um, for me to put that in there also felt freeing for, my, for myself, like to be able to like, kind of like put it in a chapter and, and close the book afterwards and then kind of like move on from there. And, you know, I think that's kind of important for me as like in my own growth as a person but also as a writer I think that that was a lot of like what I was interested in doing Mm -hmm. and I wonder that kind of would that kind because you talk about a lot of the characters and when you're writing it it's about performing some sort of identity and narrating Mm -hmm. um this identity they created um and also this identity you kind of bore some part of the, the ingredients from your early life to if uh, to write this book. So now, when you actually meet someone on the street, recognize you, kind of go back to earlier, you talk about. Did you feel like the almost like they project this person on you that it's not fully you, and then they kind of had this imaginative, imaginative idea of that you know you are her, you are Issa, and which could be kind of crippling away. Definitely. I think that there is that sense, but I also think that um, in the same way that I think that Issa works, I'm also very similar in the way that um, you, you're able to give out as much information as you want, but then when people actually, when what you're really feeling or what you really think about certain things is like very much like hidden and like kept really close to the chest. And so I think that that's kind of like that, that introvert extrovert personality when if you're, you're giving information freely, like no one's ever going to like ask for more. So like what Mm. information you're giving out is what you're comfortable to, to give. And I think anything else is kind of quite private. Um, And I think that that's kind of just how I've always been and operated. So I do, uh, yeah, I think that like the, that kind of sense of being, perceived is is definitely I think in the ways that I like to be in the world is a little bit like claustrophobic for me um but you know I think that that's also like an interesting um phenomenon that I've been like thinking about over and over you know like I think everything that I'm interested in like for example like with, with this with happy hour it was like charm as currency like how does that work I think with these different um layers of like facade and um you know interior life and exterior life like I'm always really interested in like presentation and I think that like that all of this and like 
has been like quite a learning experience for me as I've, you know, experienced like the, all this, um, feeling kind of like a public person, I guess, like mm. all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. Which is kind of interesting because I think before you, this book was published to me, you were already quite public in a way. Cause you, to me, I obviously, I, again, I didn't know you personally, but mm. just by the thing you shared that, you know, you, you really share quite a bit, like very free to, to open up the things you happen in your life. And, and that kind of interesting because you just talk about, you know, when you're so open in a way, people kind of take what you offer as the full picture and then they don't mm-hmm. ask for more. Um, versus if someone just really reserved, um, from sharing. And then, so that's when people start questioning if they're, you know, who are they kind of way. Um, I think I found that very fascinating because I think this is not part of my question, but I, I, <laughs> I guess I wanted to ask it's about social media. Then it's like, you know, cause that's, that's something I, I really find it interesting. Cause I, my day job is to do social media strategy, but in a way, I definitely have this mixed feeling towards social media. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of times, my kind of moral judgment, that's another question I want to get to. It's kind of, I wanted, I feel like the whole authenticity thing, it's being played in hashtag and commercialized, you know, almost like talk about to death. Um, but in a way that kind of really don't talk about the, the performative idea of when someone, you know, that identity could also be real as well, because that's part of, you know, their play, their, the narrative they trying to put, you know, project it like onto themselves. So what do you think about that? What do you think about, you know, when in terms of pers- like portraying yourself um, publicly and how much, like how much layer is that to peer to, to, to Marlowe in a way? Right. I think, um, you know, it's interesting because I guess like for me, I've been having to, um, I definitely had to learn to like, uh, scale back a little bit only because I was like, it was getting to a point where, um, you know, I, I've had, I've been known to like have a few cocktails and then like, you know, like post weird videos and stuff. So I was like very much like having to learn to like not do that anymore. Um, (laughs) only because it was like, it was like really like letting people in on, um, I, I think that for me, I wasn't really interested in letting people into like a certain, type of of my life only because um you know again like because now I have a different I guess like status perhaps that now it's almost like do I want to put this out there or do I want to like keep it for later to like write about for my art you know what I mean like I think that Mm. there's this it's it's kind of having to make that decision and be like okay like um you know, some stories I have are quite funny and I love to tell my like stories to my friends. And I'm kind of like, uh, I do like get quite animated when I talk to my friends about certain things, but you know, I think that like certain, um, things are better, better to be put in art as opposed to like on, on like this, like social media scale. Um, but you know, I, I also had to draw back a little bit because I felt too public and I felt like that was like too much because before I feel like no one really like cared and it was like fine and it was funny. And, um, that was kind of like a normal way to be, but then it was like, it became too much and I didn't want too many strangers to know too much about my life. (laughs) Like it's so, um, 
it's really, it's really like, again, like I don't want to be in a position where I have to draw back completely. And I think that like a lot of writers that I know, you know, who have the same kind of thing happen, they have like houses in like these like remote places where they like go and mm. they're like, oh, like I have to like, you know, like work on my writing, da, 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 all these things. But like so much of my writing is based on like the like social, like being social in society and like ha- talking about um, these things and, and having conversations with people and talking to, you know, I talk to so many strangers all the time. I'm like, I constantly have like these relationships with like strangers. I'm just like always so chatty. Um, So like for me, I think that there was a moment where I was like, okay, like I have to be a little bit more, um, careful about what I'm sharing only because like I have to have a reserve for myself and I think that, that was kind of like um a, a more of a it was less about like about like anything to do with like I guess social media and more about like preserving my own like my own sense of identity and self that was not shared with anyone else that was only for me um and I think that that was kind of something that I wanted to do because also I think that what happens if you're, you know, like I, I, I can like tweet a cute little thing on Twitter or whatever. It's like fine. But I think that ultimately, like I, I, I am wary about like becoming like a brand, you know, like I think that like I, I understand how to work within, um, you know, like visual media and all these things. Cause I've been working in that kind of world for a really long time. But I think that for me, like at some point, you know, you have to be a little bit like, uh, just a little bit more, have a little bit of and like hesitation about things. Um, mm. And, you know, I think that that's kind of my thing. And, and, you know, I will say that, like, obviously, this like new way of being, it's very hard for me to date. It's very hard for me to like, have new friends, you know, like, it's weird. It's like a very weird thing. And that was kind of part of my hesitation about moving to New York is like, I'm not interested in people like wanting to be my friend because of like this new way of being or like trying to like, connect with me or like trying to like, you know, um, I don't know, like, I, I have such a weird thing about about people, people's motives about being um friends with me or whatever and I've always is this new this kind of like idea is new or it, it I think so always I think fe- right. I never felt like this is like more new for me because I I always say that I was, I was I'm so glad that in my 20s no one wanted anything from me thank god thank god I don't know how people do it when they're younger because it's like I honestly like I get like the ick or something when people are like hey like do you know someone at like this place and I'm like what like no I don't <laughs> like leave me alone <laughs> like, um so yeah, I, I, I'm I'm a, I'm a Scorpio. I'm very like I'm very like particular about the people that I'm close with, and um, you know I think and this is kind of also like the advice that people told me like now you just have to like keep your circle a little bit tighter, and you know that's kind of something that was is a little bit difficult for me, and I'm adjusting to. But um, yeah, it's I think that like that's kind of it's it's one of those things that you have to kind of, it's a sacrifice, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, because you did talk about, you know, like sometimes in a way that, oh, I I think I lost my train of thought. You could go. No, I guess. It was so clear to me, and then you just (laughs) ran away. Um, I don't know. I guess for me, it's just like, it's just like, I. 
think that also like if you overshare too much, like that also becomes like part of like an expectation that people want from you. Mm, and- okay, I'm, the question came now. Because, okay. so <laughs> you know, remember you talk about you kind of free that you kind of become a brand yourself. And first, I wanted to ask you why that become a fear. I have my assumptions, but I also want to hear uh, your take on that and your reason for that. And also, my second question leading after that is like, would you fear, you know, being typecast to the something that, you know, people perceive you as something? Because in an interview you talk about now people will reach you to write certain kind of essays. And then would you actually feel that that could be constrained to you become you know, trying different things. And Hmm. yeah, so that's two questions. So I guess the thing about the brand, I think that, um, again, like I, I really think that anything that I want to do, I never want it to be for a reason that's outside of like me wanting to do it. So I think that is one of the things that I'm very like, wary of like I don't want people to have like a certain expectation of me that I that is like required of me um because also I'm like so I'm really anti-establishment like anytime like something I feel like something was like um closing in on me I'm like I've got to get out of here like (laughs) there was a point like even like a few months ago I was like maybe I'll move to Paris like I just I get really like itchy you know and and I think that that's kind of my own weird um discomfort but um and then with the what was the second question would you ever feel the fear or oh like being typecast yes yeah I mean I think that like basically if like people who really know me know that like I'm quite um I have like a particular like quirkiness like that is very like I think if you know me really well like that it does come out and I, I get I'm quite like um eccentric in certain ways. So I think that like, I always want the freedom and ability to be, even though I talk about like, you know, people are like, oh, like she'll write about like glamour or like, or um, parties or, or like advice or, or, you know, like all these different things. Like, I always think that it's really important to skew it just a little bit to, to be still be able to be a little bit weird. And I think that um, that's really important to me. That's important to me also like in the, in the places that I write for that they, I have allowed to have that kind of freedom. Um, And I think that, um, yeah, like I just, I don't like to be too constrained. And I think that like, also, you know, I, I am so thankful for like the readership that I've been able to accumulate over the past year or in a bit um and I I've talked to other people where they're like oh like uh, my second novel is going to be like a complete 180 and I'm like I don't know if I would ever do that like I'm not like so reactive um but you know I think that like I'm still happy to like move within like the same themes because that's really what interests me but you know feeling that kind of expectation or like also like what really gets me, I don't like when people feel like really entitled to me, like entitled to my time, entitled to like anything that I do. It, it feels really like um, bizarre. So I try to temper that a little bit in whatever way I can. And I, I you know, I just want to be able to be like, have that kind of freedom to be, um, to be, you know, like 
uh, go where the wind blows. You know, I, I feel like that's really important just as an artist as well. Or you're the one blowing the wind. Exactly. Know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I just, I, you know, like I have like a real, um, I'm a kind of a control freak. So like, I, I do, I think that like, for me, that's kind of the main thing. Like I get really like, um, uncomfortable in any sort mm. of other situation. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny because I, I now looking back and I'm, become a blessing because um I, I from a research I, I find out that the book at the beginning for many years like nobody wanted it um mm -hmm. you know your agent actually knock on so many doors and then you come just kept getting no mm -hmm. and it, it become a blessing now looking back because if the book then first of all we wouldn't know if it would be a big hit like now um because I sometimes I feel like book finds moment and then time mm -hmm and its readers as well. But also, even though it was so successful, then you almost kind of like already in the public so early then because earlier you talk about in the 20s, you kind of had this freedom to move around and to try different things. And didn't have to, you know, make your circle closer than yeah. now. <laughs> so yeah, so t can you tell me about um, what happened during the times that you know, how did you meet your agent? How how many years the book didn't you know wasn't wanted and how eventually got published and then all that gist um so I was in London and I was um I started writing it like in my second year of university and then um I had a professor there um who was a poet who had an agent that he was like oh you know what like I can tell that you're serious so you know like this is really good I think that you should meet with her and um so I was like 20 three or so. And so I wasn't finished it at all. Um, and I met with her and I was like, like a year or two later, I, was, I met with her and she was like, okay, like we're, you're like 75% done, like just finish it. And then we can like figure it out. Um, and so, you know, I've been with her since then. Her name's Harriet Moore. She's like my favorite. She's like, we were so simpatico and like, so, um, we have so many similar interests. And I think that that was kind of like the main thing that I was like, oh my God. Like, the, And she was the only person I ever met. Like she's the only agent I ever met. She's the only person I never, ever knew. So I think that was kind of like something that was like, we were already like on such a particular level with each other that we knew that like the person that would understand it would have to understand us, like would have to understand like what we were, what our project was, what our like aims were. Um, and, you know, like, so I finished writing it when I was like 25 and it, it went out to publishers when I was it, like, sorry, in 2017 or so. And no one wanted it. And um, my agent would send me all the rejections in one email. <laughs> oh my God. And I'd be Just like, ha had have like heartbreak once, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like reading them and I'd be like, okay. Um, Which one really stood out to you? I mean, they were all kind of similar. Like they were like, oh, it doesn't have really plot. And it's like, you know, like nothing happens to them. Nothing bad happens to them. Um, like I just, my investment dropped off and blah, blah, blah. Like, and, or it's like too stylized, um, you know, and it was all the big houses. And I'm like such a grudge person that I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so like, Ugh, like I get, I got so angry because everything that they were saying that was wrong with it was kind of like the reasons why I wrote it. Like I didn't want them to be punished. I didn't want anything bad to happen to them. I just wanted them to be able to make decisions and like have that be like an adventure. And I think that like, you know, 
um, I had based it on the idea of like a picaresque, which is like, you know, similar to like Don Quixote's like, it's like, you know, it's like a, a rowdy, like, um, kind of, uh, sly character that's like going around the going around like different like societies and stuff and and that was kind of what was interesting to me and I wanted that to be something that um I, I did I didn't understand like why people didn't get it I was like weird <laughs> it's like so stupid um and also people were like I don't know how to market it I don't know how to do it. and I was like that's so bizarre but sure whatever um and so like during the years that it was like rejected I was basically like I'm just like not going to be a writer maybe like I was like honestly like maybe I just like won't do it anymore it seems like there's like no real payoff for me to be spending all this time writing and and nothing happens and and it was so funny because I wasn't really um I wasn't freelancing. I was, I called the, the stage like my incubation period where I was just like <laughs> writing the book and I just wasn't even writing for anyone else. And like, no one knew who I was, but I was like meeting, like I had an, my, one of my, um, my ex partners was a, is a, was an editor. So like he would drag me to these like terrible literary parties and I'd be like, everyone would be so mean to me because they were like, mm, okay, who are you? Like, you're just like this young girl no one cares about like and I'd be like mm, like so again like my grudge is just like accumulating start building <laughs> yeah building more <laughs> um and you know I just was kind of like so tired and you know I I was there was just like it was kind of freeing to be honest like those years where I was like okay like I wrote I finished this book I was in a, a period of mourning because it was like um it almost felt like I was like I was no longer in the world anymore. And I was like, well, where does all this like energy go anymore? Like, you know, I had spent so much time like being like, oh, Issa would say something like this or Gala would do this or da da da. Like so much of my early 20s was like having this like second voice in my head being like, oh, like write this down, put a note here, da 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 da. So um, I had all this like pent up energy. And I always say like, this is like a time when I had like a really bad boyfriend at the time, like a new boyfriend, but a bad boyfriend. And, um, you know, I put so much energy in like, in like trying to uh, make bad relationships work. And um, that was where my energy went instead of writing or anything. And my agent was kind of like, okay, like, why don't you try to write something else? And, you know, maybe we can sell the second one and then you can sell the first. And that to me was like such an insane concept. I was like, you want me to write an entirely new book <laughs> based on like no, with no guarantees. And so, yeah, I kind of just like went like deep into like just working on other things and not really wanting to write anymore. Um, and then, you know, I don't know, basically, like, this is a story that I have told quite often is where um, I was at a New Year's party. And uh, basically, the, I, like, everyone said that I crashed it, but I did not crash it. I was invited. I was actually <laughs> invited. Um, and Sounds this, like what Issa was saying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, the woman who was hosting it, she was, I guess she, like, thought, she had never met me before. She was like, who is this stranger inviting to my house? And um, she remembers me because I had the next day I messaged her being like, did I leave my elbow length pink gloves with pearl buttons at your house? I can't find them. And she was like, who is this woman? <laughs> like, and I was like, oh, never mind. I actually found them. It's okay. And, um, and like later I bumped into her afterwards and she was like, so I've heard that you write. And I was like, yeah. 
kind of. And she was like, oh, like, do you have anything that I could read? Like, I'd be really interested in reading it. And I was like, I guess um, I have this like manuscript, like I can send it to you. That's the only thing that I kind of like have that you can read. And she was like, okay, send it. And I was like, honestly, like, don't feel like you want to, you have to read the whole thing. I don't really whatever. And I thought, I didn't know who she was really. I just thought like she was a writer and you know how writers sometimes like send each other work and you're like, Oh, like I read it. Like, cool. Mm -hmm. I'll send you, I'll give you notes or something. And I was like, okay, that's fine. Um, and then like months later, she was like, she invited me out for a drink and she was like, wanted to talk about it. And I just thought like, maybe I had like a, I was like maybe thinking that it was like something like a business thing, but I was also like, maybe she just wants to talk about it. Um, and then it turns out like, then it was like a, she and uh, Martha Sharp, who runs Flying Books, were starting an imprint. And um, so, like, they wanted the book to be my first, like, their first book on the imprint. So I was like, well, no one else is doing anything with it. So you can just have it. Sure, whatever. Um, and then, like... So generous with all these years of work. <laughs> I was honestly like, whatever. It was just, like, sitting on my shelf, like, dusting away. Um, and... So yeah, I just, I told my, my agent and, and then we like went through it. So it was published in Canada in 2020. And then um, we took it out to, again, with American publishers. Again, no one really wanted it, which was funny. And mm. and then Verso was like, Verso, which was like the most funny thing. I had an inkling about it. I was like, a few people were interested, but then Verso was like, oh, like we really want it. Um, and I was like, how, how funny, like how hilarious that this like very like Marxist, like leftist place wants the book. And I was like, you know what, like, this is kind of the thing that I really wanted because it to be published by Verso was meant like that there was like a radical aspect to the book that I think that other publishers would have missed. And I think that that gave it like a certain edge that I think was important to be taken seriously because that was another thing that I always knew was going to be a problem was that because the the book was about young women, there was always a chance that people would not take it seriously and be like, oh, like this is just like, uh, you know, like compared to girls or like Broad City or something. And I was like not really interested in that. So I was like, let's, I had an inkling that it was like, I would just go with Verso and, and we... I kind of make decisions really rash sometimes, <laughs> but it's just like the intuition, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think that like, it was such a, it was such a surprise that like it, it got carried away. Like it, it got carried away by all this press. And um, that was such like a, it was, it was such a weird thing. And, and my family doesn't get it, obviously. Like she, my family is very like, doesn't everyone get this? I'm like, no, <laughs> like, shouldn't everyone get this kind of press? I'm like, uh, no. And then also have like my, they read it? My family? family? Uh, yes. My grandma, my grandmother is like very, um, I was raised to be like, my family's very like, not anti-marriage, but like very like not interested in me, me doing that. Cause, like, really? Wow. Yeah, That's a fresh thing to hear. Really? I don't know. I mean, it's so funny. They're like, they're, my grandma's always like, but she's kind of, sometimes she says it in front of my grandpa, which I actually think is kind of mean. She's like, if I could do it all over again, I would never have married. Like, she's like, oh my like goodness, <laughs> I love her already. Um, You know, I was, I was very much raised to be like, like, oh, like, 
you know, do what you need to do, do your art, do like all these things and, 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 you know, do it to like the best of your ability, I guess. And so, but like my family is very like nonplussed about it. Cause I guess that they, they were always like, we, they, it was like such a part of like their expectation of me to like be like that. Um, so, you know, it's, it's just a funny thing to be like, my grandma's always like, well, but what about a Nobel prize though? I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, her favorite thing to say to me is like don't rest on your laurels darling and I'm like oh my god oh wow I need to meet her she sounds fabulous (laughs) were Um, you raised by your grandma sounds like you're very close to her yeah so I was raised um you know I had a I grew up with my mom and then you know I spent a lot of time my mom was a single mom and very young so I spent a lot of time with my grandparents and my, my I'm really close to both my grandparents and like they're very um pivotal for me in terms of like the way that I grew up and you know like I have I was always like the only child for the for a really long time and I was always like very um I think basically the whole thing was that my family was always really like uh I guess how do you say tolerant of my behavior sometimes like even though I was like really misbehaved for a lot of my teenagehood but um you know they also just were very like kind of amused by it they were like you're you're just being yourself or you're like you're like they'll be like what is actually wrong with you (laughs) (laughs) wow that's yeah again very refreshing to hear that so you're That's so yeah, very refreshing. Like, where were you born at? Which I city? Born, I was born here um, in Toronto, and uh, I grew up in Toronto too. So I guess I was like a city kid. I was always like running around from a pretty early age. Like, you know, I started going. I would like when I got home from school. Sometimes, especially when I was like thirteen or so, I'd always just like leave and come back like until before my mom came home, and like just like go on a little go on a little adventure. Um, so I've always been a little bit, you know, untethered, let's say. <laughs> and you recently posted a photo of your mama on social media or Instagram. Mm-hmm. At first, I, I I thought it was you. Like, obviously, it didn't <laughs> make sense because it was black and white and then much mm-hmm. look much older. But just the first glance, the, the attitude that, you know, that pose and then yeah. that smile, like really reminded so much of you. Um, how How is your relationship like with your mother? Or so, your mom, your mother. <laughs> so proper. <laughs> so um, like part of the, the, that part of the book is kind of based on my life. Like my mom died when I was 19. So a lot of my, a lot of the book too was, I guess, kind of trying to, like, I guess it wasn't like really like a process of a grieving, but like, I think that it was also like trying to, um, again, like honor, like the way that I was raised, like with my grandma, my grandma and my mother being like so... Um, I guess like looming very large in my life, like being very like the way that they were was is also like very like glam and very you know um I would say like I was raised in a pretty like matriarchal way. Um, my my grandfather was again like very patient and very tolerant of all of our behavior, <laughs> like very very accommodating. So I think that like part of my mom had me when she was 22 so we had a pretty like close relationship just because we were so close in age and I think that that was kind of um an interesting dynamic that I think that um is so rare I think that we also were very like 
we were kind of learning things at the same time, I think. Like, I was obviously quite precocious, and I think my, my mom was, like, such a romantic, and I'm, like, really quite pragmatic in a certain ways. Like, I'm very, like, no-nonsense. Like, you got to tell these people what you think of them. Like, very, like, kind of... I'm, I'm, I was, I would say like when I was like 16 or something, I remember being like to my mom, like being like talking to her about her boyfriends. I mean, like you have to like tell them that they're what they're in the wrong, like very, like very tough, you know? Um, so there's some sisterhood between you two. Yeah, I think so. And I think that like, obviously like uh mother daughter relationships are very like difficult for sure. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I think that like with my family, like we, we all are very like uh have like such interesting and like fun memories and and you know like my mom was also like a really big traveler like she always like tried to take me um to a lot of different places that she went to and I think that like that is so much part of like the way that I am still now too and very like adventurous and and kind of like spontaneous and I think that that was always like something that I grew up with like being used to that kind of um frequency mm-hmm and I'm not trying to be like a party pooper here, but I also lost my mom when I was like around 14, 15. Mm-hmm. So I definitely understand losing a parent. It's it's something very devastating, especially during the years you try and so hard to declare who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, in your 19, that's still the time that, you know, you're trying to find yourself. So without the supporting system in a way, I mean, you still have your families, but as a mother, someone who will be there to kind of reflect you back to who you are. It's mm-hmm. gone. Sometimes it's very lonely. And then I didn't know that experience. Uh, you also shared that with Issa in the book. Um, but I could definitely feel it when I was reading it, you know, the chapter, her in that room, and then just being really sad. Um, you know, like, yeah, I think because the whole book is very joyful and very uplifting. So to kind of like took you by surprise in a way that all of, all of, of a sudden go there um, to such a sorrow, um, yeah, I was surprised. And then now I, I can understand, like, even in a deeper, profound level of why, you know, that has probably that chapter meant quite more than I I imagined that for sure. Yeah, I mean, I don't know whether I would have been able to write that without experiencing it, I guess. Like, I think that, um, you know, I think that, like, when I was younger, I, th- I think when I read back on that particular passage, like so much of it is so there was like such a a real envy from me for like other people's parents. I was like always so really envious that they had like um, they had their moms for like much longer than me. And I think that that was something that was really like um, so present in like the way that I grew up and like in the like years after she had died, I was like, so like alone, I felt like, because also like, you know, like my grandparents are like, one thing, but like to be kind of like supported and and to be um, like guiding, um, to, like kind of guiding through life, like together is really something that I think was uh, something that I, I missed and lacked. And I think that with um, writing that part was kind of also like to try to show that the whole novel is really about like pursuing joy and pursuing um lightness in despite all of these things happening, you know? And I think that that's also like a very particular type of resilience that um, is also kind of, it's a, it's a type of like survival instinct really. And I think that was something that I really wanted to like show was that like, you know, bad things had happened to these girls, but it was not like the point of the story. It was like, it was like how they like managed to 
live their lives despite all of those facts. Um, and I think that the, to have that, the, there's like a, I guess like a sadness running through it that um, you're like, oh, like, why is she sad? Like, it seems weird. It seems weird for her. But I also think it's like this, the idea of like creating these structures to protect yourself and to make sure that things you're always accounting for the things that might be unexpected and always trying to have to be like one step ahead of everyone. And it's like extremely exhausting to like live like that. But I also think that like when you're young and you need that kind of structure when you don't have a parent to do that for you, it's really important. And that's kind of what I always say about how like she always makes all these rules. She's always like, one should be like this or one must do this. And, and like, she has all these rules because like she needs to have something to, um, like throw herself against to make sure that it's like structured, you know? And I think that like a lot of people who, um, you know, lose their parents young, they require that kind of structure because like they don't have that anywhere else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I totally resonate. Cause many people who, who meet me, they will say I very appear at least or very outwardly happy and, and, internally I've kind of really indulged in my own sorrow in many times so and I have a very like um a dark side of me that is like very into like true crime documentary (laughs) (laughs) you know it's like very very morbid morbid anyway so yeah I I totally agree sometimes when you're losing someone so close to you so young you had to create that sort of universe for yourself to survive you know you have to be your own cheerleader in a way otherwise nobody's going to be there to do that and then I think with this book it definitely it didn't caught me by surprising about it 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 was wasn't like I was wondering why was she sad but I was wondering like wow this really profound you know feeling she's really having right now in this moment and then to create that passage very powerful um so one thing i kind of want to um pivot a little bit in our conversation is i want to talk about I wrote here, I had like two Anna Delvey moments. I know like, you know, uh, you maybe heard of this before already, but, you know, first I, the book was like, as you talk about, was featured everywhere from the New York Times to New York Magazine. And the list just goes on and on. And before then, I, at that moment, I hadn't read it yet. So I was questioning if this is legit or is it because, you know, like it's just like a, sometimes we form our opinions based on other people's opinion. And sometimes a good publicist can really go a long way. So and I was just questioning that. And the second time when I was having that Anna Delvey moment was when I was reading it, the book and I really find, you know, there are so many similarities between the two because um, they both like between Anna Delvey and Issa is that they both have so many flaws I read here, but they deliver something very charming. And then they are so mysterious, but also so open at the same time. Mm. And then they both have barely any money, but refuse to live any less than. Mm. And then they see life as a social experiment in a way and never let themselves indulge too much in the bad things or interactions that get to them and then having traced that kind of like borderline between sociopath and hopeless optimist mm-hmm. and then they're also both uh, not waiting on something to drop on them because they believe they need to go out there to create their own opportunities um so yeah i definitely see some sort of like uh, interesting connection and it was funny because i recently finished a 
the very you know everybody's talk about Ella Delvey on Netflix, and then I actually found her Instagram. I was like, wow, she actually because I, I didn't know too much about her, and I find out you were following her as well. So I was like, oh, I at first I definitely I let my <laughs> own moral judgment clouded my journalistic you know <laughs> value because I had so much judgment on mm. her, and I'm thinking, why would any even anybody be fascinated by? You know, someone's almost like a scam artist, and then so I want you to tell me more about this.、Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, not in in terms of like how to co- like compare them, but in a way that about that kind of character、um, of Issa and and Gala in a way that how they the life they're they're living in is almost very in a way some people might propose their own judgment on and moral judgment on, and but they didn't seem to care much.、Mm. I mean, I think that they're very like. Low stake, low stake grifters. <laughs> I think that they're like they they just want like free drinks and and dinner most of the time.、Um, I think that with the there's obviously like a fascination for like this like kind of idea of like an antihero, and I think that、um, with Anna Delvey, I guess what was funny about it was that like she, I guess with. The kinds of circles that she was、um, in are particularly like it's like very it's like part of this like New York、um, scene that is is like very like trying to be like very cool and like、um, very they they kind of like social climb for like no reason because they often like don't know why why they're doing it you know they they just are doing it to like be in a certain echelon. And I think that like it's very,、um, it, it's it's very primed to be mocked and made fun of because, you know, I think that like it's in a way like the reasons why like probably Anna Delvey was able to do it was because people are so obsessed with like money and status and、um, you know like people's like big. Speeches about like what they're going to do and all these like major plans that they have and and everyone wants to associate I think with a certain type of power which、um, you know I think has become like such a, a a facet of New York society anyways and I think that、um, the difference I guess with Issa and Gal is that they they are kind of foils to it because they. See it for what it is, and also like because Isa has been elsewhere. Like she doesn't think that New York is like the center of the universe, and I think that like because she's a little bit more worldly, she's like,、mm, I've I've been to Paris, I've been to places before that I don't think that this is like the be all and end all of like what's what things are, what's happening in the world, you know. And、um, I think that with the I was more interested in the idea that you would have like these girls be in New York and it not be a story of New York changing them. I'm not interested in like New York changing their their whole lives and like being like they're like you know being put through the ringer. I think that it was more interesting、mm-hmm. in having like these really strong characters,、um, you know, being thrown against New York and. And New York having to figure it out. <laughs> Ooh, I love that <laughs> because it's like you know、right. they're, they they're very strong willed and they have very little like like the whole point is that also like the idea of like having the two of them is that、um, Gala often like spoils what Issa's planning or like the kind of what 
like um very she's because Issa's very like decorous so she's very like she's has like this certain type of etiquette and and um style about her that I think that is like a the way that she like is navigating certain things and Gala's very like brute force like aggressive and kind of um you know that kind of Over, uh, almost bit, like a blunt yeah you know, yeah like, she's a little uncouth you know but I yeah. think that's like also necessary so the, the combination of them is is quite like funny to have them be in these like different scenes and the whole thing is that these people only really want these girls to be around for decoration. They only want them to mm-hmm. be like there to be like, oh, like you're kind of interesting. You're fun to be around. Like you're, you'll entertain me and be amusing. I think that like the whole, the the kind of um, the knife there is that no one ever thinks that these girls are thinking anything for themselves and like having these separate observations. And that's kind of why I wanted to do it as a diary because the whole thing to keep a diary is very particular, a very particular type of person would do that. Like, and I think that for Issa is that she wants to, to keep a diary because at the end of the day, she knows that um, what is written is, is what stays, you know, like that's mm-hmm. kind of the, the evidence here. And so to have like a written diary is also like evidence of her personality and evidence of her own observations where she's able to get the last word and that's her own power. Um, and, you know, I think that like in if you were to see these types of girls out, like and I always say that I feel like people would get so annoyed with them. Like they'd be like, oh, these girls are here. They're being so obnoxious. But like the whole point is that these girls are getting the last word. And I think that in a lot of those situations, the power is so is so skewed in their disfavor that they that they never get that um, opportunity. Yeah. And also when just the interactions between Isa and Gala, it's like, you know, I definitely more prefer Isa, even though, um, you know, we know that's definitely a reliable narrative. Like, yeah. you know, you can, you have to take her words for it. But at the same time, it's like, I just almost wanted to see them have some sort of like breakout because I feel like there's so much friendship in there, but you know, just so much about, you know, so much conflict as well. And then so that scene of they finally has some sort of argument and really satisfying as a reader to me. <laughs> <laughs> you it know, was really I, hard. It was hard to write that because like it's, I guess the, my thing was that it's like, how do you, how do you like properly write conflict that's like slow burning, you know? Mm. And I really feel like that kind of relationship that it is such a slow burn because it's like, it's like small things that start getting that start, you start picking up and sort of getting more sensitive to over the course of time. So you're like, Oh, like this person's undercutting me again. And like, you'll, you'll kind of overlook it like the first few times, but then it starts to get really annoying and grating, like the more times it happens and like to have like a final blowout, it was just like this kind of, slow cooker of like of like these tensions because also like they're sleeping in the same bed they're like having to work with each other to like have like money that's divvied up with like what they want they're they're so they're so tied to each other that it's like very suffocating because Mm -hmm. of their circumstances it's not like you know maybe if they had money if they had like a steady job it would be different because they'd have their own space and independence but because like they rely on so much on each other for like um you know making money or like taking care of rent or like food or dinner or whatever and also relying on each other to like um kind of 
you know, hook some guys to like pay for dinner. Um, like they, they, it's like a very like, uh, shaky rope that they have to balance on. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you kind of see that, like when one of them is ruining it for the other one, you're like, no, like you have to be <laughs> cooperating with this. Exactly. You guys are a team in this. <laughs> yeah, you know? exactly. Your book for so many years that nobody wanted and then now boom it's like everywhere and then you're exposed to the sunlight did you feel like is there at at one moment that you feel like wow i've made it (laughs) or is is that didn't even cross your mind because you know what i ask is that's precisely why i started dear secret it was like i was so fed up with the the media narrative because at that time was all about like money establishment mm-hmm. like 30 under 30 and then I was approaching my 30 I was like oh my god I'm gonna never gonna make on that list you know because I'm never gonna mm-hmm. be 30 under 30 so yeah what wh- what what do you think about that and then do you ever have that moment of like maybe not I made it in a way that <laughs> I asked a way how I asked it but it was like you know I'm kind of proud of myself like this is something I you know look back and like I feel like I can pat myself at the back and then be proud I guess hmm, I'm really not like this where I, I always, it's such a bad habit. Like I'm, I have to always like catch myself because I really try to, to, you know, like practice like gratitude and like really be like, Oh, like measure like where I've been and what, what has happened and like kind of like accomplishments and stuff. But I'm such a bad, I'm really bad at that because I don't, uh, I have trouble like accepting things as like, as like a reality to me, I guess. Like it feels like quite mm. surreal because it's like, you don't really get like the full picture. I, and I always say this, I forget who said this. It was some like, po- like pop star or like, maybe it was like, it was either Vanessa Carlton or Michelle Branch that said this in like the, in like the early 2000s where it's like people like, like are like, Oh, like oh, there's glitter everywhere and whatever, but you're just like sitting in the glitter. You're just like sitting in it. And like, it's, you have no perspective really. And that's kind of what it feels like where I'm just like sitting in this, this pile of glitter and I'm like, like what do I do? Um, <laughs> you're like just plastic. <laughs> yeah. It's like nothing. Right. But I guess for me, maybe like my biggest thing was that when I got, um, when McNally Jackson, the bookstore, like put my book in the window in this, their Soho store. And, you know, when I was younger, I would go to, I, I would go to McNally for like their events and stuff. And, and like when I was like feeling really like, like moody or, or like really like emotional or something or having like one of those like New York low moments, I would go to McNally and like listen to people talk about their books. And it was kind of like enlivening for me. Um, cause it also felt like kind of like more substantial than like whatever like stupid scene thing I was like dealing with. And, uh, so I guess that that was kind of like really, like really like special but mainly because I felt like I was again like kind of honoring my younger self and being like oh like this is like very this is like something special that like my younger self would really um appreciate and think is like very Mm. cool and exciting I think that when things are happening to me in present though it's like very like odd like I don't really like I don't know it's it's also like one of those things where I, I try not to be super um caught up in it because you know I think that then that you kind of get this thing where it's like oh well with my first book I was like featured in this place like and my second book will I still get featured in this place like it's kind of like um trying to catch up with yourself and like and push um for you know like push these like kind of uh standards that you've set for yourself but really I think at the end of the day like those things don't really they're not really a measure, I don't think. I think mm-hmm. that mainly it's about, um, you know, the feat of just like finishing a book in the first place is kind of like a big thing that I guess is not a lot of people do. <laughs> like, 
So I think that that was kind of like something that for me, like, and then all this stuff afterwards, it's just kind of like, um, you know, echoing that one thing that I did. So (laughs) I mean, I don't know. And I'm glad you mentioned about your second book because I didn't want to ask you, but (laughs) since you dig the hole yourself, (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to go there. Um, so did you, cause I, cause I know like many, many debut writer, writers, they have to sell two books as mm. a like package, right? So did you have to do that or are you one book deal? And then now you kind of have the freedom to work on your second one or you kind of on, under the pressure cooker of the second one. Yeah, no, I, I, we sold it just for the one book and then, and then I'm kind of like, again, like free. I'm still like, I'm very like an associative, associative person. So it's, I, I tend to, um, just like ruminate for really long periods of time and and have these ideas kind of at the back of my mind for a while before I actually start the process of writing. Um, But, you know, I actually, for me, like this year, my goal was mainly like to start to do a little bit more like screenwriting and and doing like more movie-based things just because um, for me, like obviously like I've, I'm like, again, I've always pictured myself as just like an artist. Like I don't, I never was like, I'm a novelist. Like for me, it's always been like project based. So whatever project I'm into at that moment, that's what I'm into. And, and I've been like this forever. Like when I was younger, I was into, I was like a photographer. So I did like photography based projects and then, uh, painted and all these different like mediums. And so with the, I always called the novel, like my one long project. And now it's like, Oh, what am I going to do now? And, and for me, like, I'm kind of interested in doing, um, I am working more towards like a little, a few more screenwriting projects and then, and then kind of, I feel like there'll be space to move into the, get really into like the second novel situation, just because I also think that like, I have now reached like a new portion of like my womanhood and age. And I think there's a lot of like questions that I'm interested in exploring. Um, Such as? Oh, you know, I think that, mainly I am interested in the idea of like the what a divorce novel is but like making a divorce novel but without a divorce if that makes sense like what that no it doesn't (laughs) well you know this this idea please tell me more I don't get it like um you know post-divorce there's always like this kind of arc especially with women where where there was once this like relationship or like you know family life or um career that was like defining your life and you had so much um, entwined with that idea. And then when you go through a a break, like a divorce, you tend to have to reevaluate everything. Um, And the idea of, and I think this has always been like kind of the pervasive question in my work anyways, is like, how do you live like a, a, a big life? How do you live life as, as a, as your own work of art, like, and like how that Mm. manifests and kind of like those ideas that, you know, like we, as women, like we're often like given this idea, like we have these options of like, of like family and, and success and these very separate things, I guess, or sometimes they're combined. But I think for me, it's like, oh, but what about like living like this life of like, of um, pursuing these like bigger topics of, mm-hmm. of more like a philosophical question and I was making my I was saying to my friends I was like maybe this will be like my like Keats and Coleridge era like where I get really like transcendental or something like <laughs> but you know I think that, I'm all like, about it <laughs> <laughs> I think like that kind of interests me too because it's like it's like 
to value your life away from like those kinds of, um, you know, like society accepted accomplishments, but like very much like more based on the experience and like um, adventure and that kind of exploration of like how you like deep, deeper feelings and, and all these different things that I think are interesting. I don't know. But um, yeah, I think, but that's always been part of my work, I think. And also mm-hmm. like, you know, pursuing pleasure and joy and, and defining that um, at different ages. So what, what kind of things bring you pleasure now? You know, <laughs> um, why do you laugh about I it? I thought you, I thought the answer would come to you like you know, no one's business. I mean, I think that now I'm a little bit more. Um, I've definitely changed a little bit from my previous life. I think also like the pandemic really like affected me in like a really particular way, just because it required me to be like very much like an indoor cat. Um, but, you know, I think that, like, now it's very much about, like, um, really tending to the relationships that are, like, that mean a lot to you. I'm I'm very much, like, I have had friends for, like, 15 years. I'm, I'm very, like, and those relationships have, like, morphed and changed as we've gotten older. And that, that like, is really important to me as, like, a separate type of relationship um, as opposed to, like, a romantic relationship. And, like, tending to those things and keeping them like alive and like healthy is like is really important and also because I think that you know the again like so much of my work has to do with um conversations and 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 talking to each other about you know like dynamics and and things that are happening in the world um I I think also just like being able to um create a I guess like a nest, like, I, I don't know, like, that was something that I never really was interested in doing before. And now I'm like such a, um, like, oh, like, this is my little house. And these are like my, this is like my home life. And this is such like a particular thing. And I totally understand now how, um, you know, people are like, like, in the fifties or whatever, there's always like, there's more work to be done in the house. There's always mm-hmm. more work to be done. <laughs> and I'm very like, a you know, I try to like, make my house like very particular because also one of the things that I was always talking about when I was younger was like, I never wanted to move from a roommate situation to live immediately with my partner. I always wanted like, you know, a room of my own, like a house of my own and Mm -hmm. um, to be able to like really make it my own without like the having to concede to someone else's tastes, I guess. Like, Yeah, so, I think that would be hard. <laughs> yes, exactly. So my whole apartment's like pink. Like it's like very like feminine and very me. So, you know, I think that like these things are, are also very, um, again, like it's interesting how this has all led me to be very like kind of like have these like private um, spaces and spheres that I'm exploring and having to like tend to. Um but, you know, I, I think that's also like more my speed now, too. I also, you know, still like to go to the bar and like just I go I go like by myself. I've always done that. I've always been like a, a go to the bar by myself and like chat um, kind of person. And that's fun, too. I have worse hangovers now, but I know. Right. Those are not <laughs> forgiving at all. <laughs> No, it's like the worst thing in the world. I I hate I hate it so much. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think we're gonna wrap it up. Uh, I wonder. Um, I have one more question. Yeah. So, 
it seems like the book, so many people are reading your book from all over the country and a lot all over the world. Have you gotten any like people sharing something that kind of interesting to you, like whether good or bad, about experience reading the book? Oh, you know what? I think a lot of the people. There are a bunch of people that have messaged me that have lost their parents and stuff. Like that's really sweet and like very um, touching. I think I also get like really sweet messages from like young, young women, like 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 who are like fifteen or something, and they're so sweet. I just I'm like uh, like I like actually can't handle it. I'm always really interested in like putting like younger people like under my wing and like and like giving them advice and so um that's kind of been like an important thing for me because like I also am like who Mm -hmm. else will do this like who else will do this yeah you know I'm interested in like passing on like certain types of um strengths and show people that they can be like confident in them in their own um opinions and what they want to say and especially with young women just because like I grew up like very and I still am very like this like I I just like never second guess myself ever which is mm-hmm. so rare and I think it took it took a long time for me to understand that people weren't like that even with like my relationships with with like men and whatever cuz I just like have never done that and for me it was like it's such like a I don't know like part of my personality but like you know, it really makes me struggle when I see someone else like having that kind of issue. And I'm like, oh my God, it actually doesn't matter. Like I've, I've, someone has thought the worst of me all the time when I've been, when I've been like really out of pocket, look at me, (laughs) I'm fine. (laughs) Like I don't even think of it. It doesn't even matter. So I think that like, that's kind of been my um, thing. I always want to push people to like be a little bit bold and like have them, you know, um, really be like forthright about Mm. who they are do you think that was because like the influence of like your families in you or that was because I always I am always curious like how kind of certain traits of in our personality that where it came from you know it was it came from like something it was Mm. like I I guess maybe the debate is this nurture or nature is you know like how much of that came from when you were born or how much of that came from your upbringing I've always, I feel like I've always been the same. I feel like I've always very been very like clear about who I am and and kind of like knowing myself and and um, understanding that I have like a particular personality. But I think the difference is maybe that like my family never made me feel mm. bad about it, and they let it just like happen. Which you know it was a tiny bit of like a little Frankenstein as a child, but like definitely like um, helped me as I've grown older to be very. Uh, you know, unapologetic about who I am. So I think that that's, it's a combination for sure. I I just think, I just know, I have mem- early memories of being a child and being like, oh, this is like something I would just do now. Like okay, share one memory like, and then we're going to just... wrap it up, promise. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I remember like, I think I must've been like two or three. I really hated drinking milk and I was like forced to drink milk like at the table um, all the time. And I remember being like, um, like my mom, I guess, like left me to my own devices and she was like, you have to finish the milk. And I remember being like pushing the chair up to the sink and like pouring it down the drain. But then like, I, I always knew that like I had to run the water to get rid of the residue. 
So I'm like running the water and like making sure and then trying to, but then I just know, I remember like a clean the crime scene. Exactly. Like always cleaning up the mess. And then uh, my mom came in and I just, my mom always used to tell me the story. I looked back and I was just like, uh oh. (laughs) But you know, like that kind of like um, naughtiness, like has always been like so part of my DNA, I guess that it's always been the thing. And, and you know, my, my grandpa once when I was 15, he, he had to pick me up from getting caught shoplifting when I was 15. <laughs> and like the co- what, what, what did you try to get? I was just getting like this like like thin patent leather belt or something. Because I had just gotten a vintage dress that I knew that I would just like need like a little a little cinch. Um and my grandpa picked me up and he was like the there was like the the woman constable and she was really hell bent on like teaching me a lesson. And then my grandpa was just like shaking his head. He was like, Oh, it's fine. Like it's just one of her misadventures. And honestly, like that's just like how my family was always like they're just like, You're gonna do it anyways, like whatever. We're you already feel bad. It's what else are we gonna do about it? <laughs> right, right. Oh, I love that. Okay, as it's promised, and that was it. Um <laughs> <laughs> My one last question led to four more, but um, just so interesting. I'm gonna.